0: Well, good morning, afternoon, or evening. You may delete as appropriate. My name is Chad Lehman, and this is your uh, fifth episode, sixth episode, excuse me, of season five of Ministry Bits. And uh, we are blessed and uh, excited today to welcome Eric Gray to the show. Eric, how are you, man? And how, how's things going?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, glad to join you for today's episode. Really appreciate you having me back on the podcast. been a little while. It's also been a while since I have podcasted, Um, like a couple of years now since I have podcasted.
0: And you you used to do the uh, podcast with uh, Andrew Jenkins, correct?
1: Yeah, we did a podcast called I'm a YM. It was a podcast for youth ministers, and I think we did it uh, probably around three years worth of episodes. Uh, But once I transitioned out of youth ministry uh, about two and a half years ago, that's when we stopped doing that podcast.
0: And tell us tell us a little bit about where you um, where you work as a minister, and also where you work um, as a uh, as an instructor as a teacher.
1: Yeah, so I'm in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I'm one of the ministers at the Regency Church Christ. I uh, sp- specifically focus on uh, young adults, young professionals, and families. I also handle all the digital media, website, social media, uh, and with everything going virtual over the last few months, I spent a lot of time doing that. And then I also teach and work part-time at Mobile Christian School. Uh, That's where my two girls go to school. I also help coach basketball there, but I teach a a broadcast journalism class. Uh, And then I also handle for the school all of the social media and websites, all the digital communications.
0: And I was telling you before we started recording here that – you know you kind of hit all the Venn diagrams so to speak of of the overlapping things as far as ministry and technology that that people would like to hear about and so i guess my first question for you is how have things what what has been your greatest challenge in ministry and at the school there when it comes to technology in these last you know 9 months or so uh, especially since this pandemic started what's been your biggest challenge
1: uh, lack of funds
0: <laughs> lack of funds <laughs>
1: yeah yeah we can we can do a lot if we had if we had all the money uh, in the world uh no seriously though uh, I guess one of the biggest challenges is trying to figure out from the church standpoint once everybody moved to online and we've still got a lot going on online right now is how can we disciple people through digital media I'm sure a lot of people are kind of getting tired of watching videos we're all tired of Zoom meetings, but how can we use that technology? How can we use some of those platforms just to really be able to encourage people in their faith? So that's something that we've spent a lot of time talking about. Uh, From the school standpoint, uh, it's been a challenge of figuring out, especially from the social media standpoint, what is engaging content? What is getting people to interact online with our content? Because it You know, we want them to do more than just like a post. We want them to comment on it. We want them to share it. We want them to really interact in some way so that it it boosts the amount of reach that each post has. And you know this, Chad, if you do the same things over and over again on social media, it becomes irrelevant. And Mm -hmm. you wind up just being seen by, you know, the same 10 people that are always going to like your
0: post. You kind of have to to always be shifting your strategy, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that, that becomes a challenge because the algorithms change. It seems mm-hmm. like constantly people's interests change constantly. And just trying to stay on top of what works is probably a pretty big challenge.
0: That's half the battle, isn't its trying to stay on top of, of the trends, so to speak, mm-hmm. in, in um, social media ministry, the trends in, in video, the trends in design. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff overlaps, and, and you've got to – on top of all that, you've got a workload – uh, to handle because you've got videos that are due every week. You've got live streams that are produced every week. And so, yeah, you've, you've been, our kind are very much in demand all of a sudden, uh, since, uh, all this started. They, we were, uh, before, but I can't tell you how many people I have talked to, uh, where their church had zero, um, yeah. close to zero online presence and have just had to start from square one with all this, uh, pandemic stuff. I think that probably your congregation, uh, and con- and congregations like it. Grey Mirror, of course, here where I work, um, was was kind of uniquely prepared to kind of just step into that. And mm-hmm. uh, we've been producing a weekly television show for for years and years. We've been live streaming since 2010, um, and mm-hmm. so we had been really uh, prepared to step into that. And it has really what what has been for you? Um, what has been the biggest? I guess the biggest challenge, the biggest roadblock. Um, as far as from a technology standpoint, I know you said funds, obviously, and and probably staying on top of the trends and stuff. But what have you had difficulty with? Has it been live streaming? Has it been uh, the, what, the finding the best camera for different things? Has it been um, making sure that you have the right people trained to do that sort of thing? What, what, what is some of that stuff that, that you've struggled with?
1: Yeah, so at Regency, we were pretty late adopters to the live stream, even – Uh, We've only been live streaming our services for, uh, I think, the last two months or so. When everything shut down back in March, rather than live streaming, we shifted to pre-recording. And for a long time, we pre-recorded a service that we would put out through YouTube. We do it as like a Facebook premiere on Sunday mornings as well. And that went pretty well, and I really liked it because for those that were worshiping online, it was for them. The person was looking at the camera, whoever was speaking— um, the audio quality, especially of the singing, was was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though it, it wasn't the same as gathering in a room, it was, it was still good for uh, if you were engaging online. Well, once we started back our services again, we were still pre-recording. We treated it as like a second service, and then we actually started a, sec- a second service. So the online became like a third service, and it hmm. was just getting – It was becoming a lot, uh, honestly, a pretty heavy workload, especially once school started back. I bet. And so we had already been in the conversation of we need to move towards live streaming. But I was really the big hold up. Our leadership said, yeah, let's do it, whatever you want to do. And I was worried because if we couldn't make it good quality, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it just to say we were doing it because what we were doing was working really well and it was high quality. And you know this with film, you got to have good lighting, you got to have good equipment. You can't just, you know, I'm I'm not the type of person that's just going to set up an iPhone and stream with it even though that may be some people's all they can do. Exactly. If that's all you can do, do it. Um but for me, knowing that we had some additional resources, I wanted to wait till we could do it really well. So I had at my at, at my luxury, I had some equipment through school uh, that I was able to use. As we slowly purchase some items to get us up and going so the first couple of weeks when we were live streaming I was using the equipment that I had from school uh, and it, it worked pretty well but then we started buying some new equipment and got us some, a pretty decent camera um, you know it, it's hard when you're when you're setting up a camera from kind of far away it's hard to have great quality right. you have to really mess with the lighting you have to probably introduce too much into the shot to make it to make it look Pretty decent. It's going to be a little bit grainy because you're having to zoom in pretty far. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I would rearrange our auditorium. I'd put cameras on the floor, two cameras, and we'd make it a really nice production. But can't move pews, so you're right. <laughs> kind of long, yeah. And, and what, and I think what that's kind of camera did of
0: you? What kind of camera did y'all purchase?
1: So we purchased a Canon XA. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's the XA45.
0: 45. Okay. Uh, I
1: may be wrong in that model number. It's either the 15 or the 45. Um, just kind of break it down. It'll shoot in 4K, which was something that was important to me. Um, it, will, it has XLR microphone inputs for when we're filming other stuff. And the main thing that I wanted it to have was it had an SDI output, which if I'm talking Greek to some people, uh, SDI is HDI, but it has like a, a locking mechanism where it'll actually lock.
0: And secure it, it's basically a key. coaxial connection locking mm-hmm. HDMI cable that you can use yes. over much longer distances if you needed to. Yeah. that, and that That's way, a phenomenal some, camera.
1: Yeah. If somebody accidentally pulled on the cord or something happened, you know, cause we are running cabling down to the camera. I didn't have to worry about it just coming out where a little HDMI cable or a mini HDMI cable could easily come loose.
0: And, uh, that so camera, is a pretty
1: good little setup.
0: Yeah. It's a pretty, and when you have XLR inputs, you can actually take that directly from your, your switchboard um, let's mm-hmm. say switchboard, your digital um, your board, and uh, pipe that audio directly into there because that's mainly what I've I've struggled with with live streaming was not video. Video is easy to do. It's getting good quality audio and running it through the you know the ATEM Mini is what we we use here or that we mm-hmm. use now. We didn't use it at the beginning of the, all of this, um, but yeah, I've I've found going back to your point about. Uh, at first producing the videos, you know, that's the decision that we made as well. Even though we had the live streaming and had been live streaming for a long time, um, we made the decision early on when we didn't have worship services at all for 10 weeks to produce those videos. And um, Mm -hmm. again, it was a lot of work to do, but we were the, at one point, we were the only church in town able to, or say the only church of Christ in town, rather, able to, put our content out on Sunday morning like it was supposed to because everybody else's streams failed because of yeah. internet concerns here in this, in a relatively small town, everybody was trying to use the internet at 9am on Sunday morning. It's just not going to work. And, um, yeah. we had several for several weeks. We, we were getting like several thousand views on our video because wow. we were the only church in town that had a worship service, quote unquote. So we made that, that decision up front and it actually was easier up front. If you're, if you're facing something like that, um, I had a lot of people ask me, that, and I think I told this to you as well, but the Monday after all of that, that first Sunday that everybody was gone, the Monday after mm-hmm. must have been – I got inundated with phone calls, and I'm sure you did oh, too. I bet. About people that, well, our live stream failed and that's because everybody's trying to do the same thing at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think Facebook was honestly overwhelmed. uh Their servers were Uh – it seemed like people who were streaming through YouTube didn't have quite as much issue. Right. But everybody went to Facebook and thought it would work. Uh And I think they were just not prepared.
0: And, and I mean, I don't think anybody was prepared at that point because people had mm-hmm. about five days notice to pull all that stuff together. And <laughs> yeah, I remember right about that. I remember working, I remember being here at the office at midnight editing a video. Yeah. Like it was wow. just, it was just, it was just bananas. So all that to say, if, if at all possible, if you need to put out, and maybe you would agree with this, uh, Eric, if you don't have the streaming capabilities, if you don't have all the equipment that you need uh, for streaming, then Producing videos is not outside the realm of possibility. It's it, it's much more controllable because when you hit live on that live stream, it's not very controllable sometimes. You've, you've got to, right. on the fly, you've got to figure out what's wrong if something's wrong.
1: Well, and I would say this, it's really important for churches today to... We've got to really embrace this digital platform we because do. it is our new church lobby. People are going to walk into our live stream before in, in our online presence before they walk into our church building. People are going to so test it,
0: your live stream worship yeah. services before they come to physical worship. Not just because yeah. of a pandemic, but you're absolutely correct.
1: And I would just say if you can't live stream well, if your live stream doesn't look good, it doesn't sound good, then don't live stream. Mm-hmm. But pre it and produce it and put it out there. Uh, for us, it was almost like, a, you know, if you were going to speak that Sunday, we would record it either Thursday or Friday. So you had kind of a trial run before you gave that lesson on Sunday, you know, and, and we were just able to make make it of a lot higher quality. And then when I felt like we could actually do a live stream of pretty high quality, then we shifted over. Um, But, you know, I don't, there shouldn't be this pressure to live stream as much as it is you need to be, uh, you need to have a presence online and it needs to be good. If it's not good, I would say don't do it because the goal is not for a person, if somebody's engaging online with you through church, you don't want them to feel like a fly on the wall peeking Mm -hmm. into the room. You want them to feel like they're there, that they matter. So whoever's talking needs to acknowledge the people that are joining online Uh whoever's speaking needs to regularly look at the camera uh, because those people can tell and you know your shot that need to be this ultra wide shot you know that you can't zoom in you need to be able to see the person's face they need to basically they need to be able to see whatever you can see with your eyeballs if you were there uh, in a quality shot and that will begin to pull people in to your online church if you will And then eventually, maybe they're going to gather in the room with you. But even if not, there's ways, I think, that we can learn how to disciple people online.
0: Absolutely. And I I agree with everything that you said. And and I think one of the keys maybe is starting simple. You don't Mm -hmm. have to have 17 cameras. You don't have yeah. to have multiple angles. It doesn't have to be – and I know you said 4K earlier with that camera was important to you, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But it doesn't have to be 4K. Nobody's streaming in 4K right now. Nobody. Ooh,
1: please don't. And Please <laughs> don't. don't. Please it. don't
0: even try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every, but but you should absolutely be streaming in high def. You should actually absolutely yeah. be in 720p or 1080 and because uh, that is the standard now. And so mm-hmm. if you're still got – I mean um, what forced us, Eric um, – here at Graymere to to move finally move away from 480 and moving away from standard definition was this pandemic we we got all new cameras we got all new canon cameras that are a variant of the xa45 that you just mentioned i think ours are the xa30s and mm-hmm. um we uh we are finally moved into the the recent streaming realm we had been using um and again i'm sure sermon.net is full of fine individuals that work there, but sermon.net was dated and they hadn't updated their stuff and updated their infrastructure. And we, when we moved to restream, our picture quality, you know, just went through the roof and uh, people noticed, people noticed that people that don't notice those things, noticed that and said, it looks great. And, um, you know, we need to make sure that, and you've said it many times already, but we need to make sure that we're making we're, when we're putting stuff out there, it looks as professional and as good as possible, uh, and as much as much as we can afford.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's why you know we we were in a luxury because we didn't have to drop at one time ten, twelve thousand dollars. Right, you know, and you don't have to some, these days, do you? No, you don't. You don't. Now you know we did spend some money to be able to do it well, but we were able to do it over time. Um, you know, and then just recently we were able to make kind of some larger purchases to get us. Back, you know, to get us where we want to be. But there's still more that we want to do, that we're going to add, you know, in the coming months, so that we can continue to have a good stream and even make it better, right? um, For, for the
0: future. And and you know when you um, you you talked about it, it maintaining the good quality of it, maintaining um, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say something about what you said before. Edit point. I'll make an edit point there. (laughs) <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, everything you're saying is absolutely true. Um, and again, it does not take a whole a big investment, especially these days. It doesn't take. Uh, I mean, with a computer, a camera, and and you don't even have to have a dedicated streaming box th- these days. Mm-hmm. You can have a computer that directly connects to your computer. Uh, excuse me, a camera that directly connects to your computer, and you're off to the races in your streaming mm-hmm. um, in high def. I have a uh, I have. Uh, seen people that have been using um devices like what what's the little soda can um one the the one that shoots in 4K and it supposedly follows you man i've gotten so off track i'm so sorry
1: oh I, yeah sorry <laughs> i i know what you're talking about but i can't think of it
0: um but yeah they people have just not been impressed with those and i'm not recommending those anymore um Let's transition and let's talk about a, a little bit about some of the the actual stuff you're using. I know you said that you talked about um, the Canon XA45 that you've been using. Uh, that records in 4K, and you said that was important to you. Um, you're not streaming in 4K, so why would that? Why would 4K be important to you?
1: Well, main reason why is because I, I wanted a camera with dual purposes. So uh, I want to be able to take it. You know, I didn't want a camera mounted to the wall. Uh, I really don't ever want a camera mounted to the wall.
0: Which is Uh, probably good, yeah.
1: That way I can go grab it and I can use it for other stuff. And so, for instance, just recorded a lesson for somebody the other day, took the camera into our little, we have a little room that I've set up kind of as a little recording studio and recorded it in 4K. That way I had cropping abilities. So you can can get a wider shot and then with 4K you can crop in and you don't lose any resolution. And it's like you have two camera shots in one. And that Mm -hmm. was the main reason why I wanted a camera to output or to be able to shoot in 4k
0: and you most of most of the time i would say you're not delivering your content in 4k these days even pre-recorded videos on youtube Mm -hmm. you're you're doing that in 1080i but having the capability to do that to crop that image and to make sure that you have like you said almost have multiple shots in one image Mm -hmm. is is much much better and it gives you a little bit of room for some people that are more inexperienced video shooters if the guy is framed too low or if there's too much room above his head or something like that, if you're doing a class, then you can actually zoom that in and crop it, and it will not be pixelated or have any kind of artifacts as well. And so that that is why uh, your standard, and I'm talking to you people out there, it should be to get a 4K camera of some type. Now, whether that's a DSLR or whether that's a just a standard camcorder – and uh, I don't know how you feel about that, um, Eric, but, you know, I, I'm a DSLR guy. I've got a Sony a seven three that I love, mm-hmm. but I've been shooting on cameras like that for 20 years um, yeah. with exposure and aperture and all those different settings. But if you wanted something that you could literally pick up, throw an SD card into and start recording in 4K and it look pretty great. Some of those Canon cameras, that the XA30s and the XA45s and 40s and 50s, some of those are going to be very inexpensive. I think the XA50 mm-hmm. is 899 and wow. it gives you a phenomenal image. Um, you were talking about earlier about having a camera back in your auditorium, and that's where a lot of crow's nests are. That's where a lot mm-hmm. of the technical stuff is, is in the back of the auditorium. So that's where people usually stick a, a video camera. Well, I have never seen a zoom lens like on some of those Canon ones. You can get mm-hmm. so far in with the optical zoom that it doesn't even t- kick into digital zoom yet, and you don't get that pixelated look. And it yeah. still looks like it's a camera that's mounted on the third row. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, really great um, set of cameras. Um, Canon, if you are on an extreme budget, um, Canon makes one called the HF um, – I think it's the HF800 – it's mm-hmm. two hundred bucks, and oh, it's wow. this tiny little. I mean, it's so small; it's this tiny little thing. You stick an SD card into it, you put it on a tripod, and you can record. You can record pretty yeah. good quality video. Um, I mean,
1: you could even you could even purchase like I have a little Canon Rebel. It's kind of an entry level DSLR, yeah, yeah. and you could go buy you a seventy to three hundred lens. That'll set you back. Oh, you know, a whopping two hundred dollars. Uh-huh. And that will give you the ability to shoot from a pretty far distance without losing any, you know, any resolution on the shot. That little camera gives you an HDMI, HDMI out a clean feed, which is important. You were mentioning you earlier about... All,
0: yeah, you don't have all those graphics on the screen when you're trying yeah, to... Yeah, and that's
1: important, yeah. you know, for folks that are new to live streaming. If you're going to purchase a little camera like that, you know, spend some time researching what is, a, what is a clean HDMI out. And you could plug it straight into your computer and you can have a pretty decent shot. Uh, I'd recommend going through some kind of switcher just to Absolutely, help yeah on the encoding process. But at the, at the start, you know, that's, that's, you could be into that camera for, you know, maybe around camera and lens for less than a thousand bucks. And that, that's going to be a pretty good deal, uh, with pretty decent quality.
0: And there's, I mean, there's, there's so many options out there that you can get overwhelmed. What, what would you say to somebody who feels that way? Like we're sitting here talking and they're still saying, y'all are just making it, y'all are making it so much more complex than it has to be. Like what? I just need you to tell me what to get. What would you say to somebody starting off? What do they got to get?
1: First thing is you got to have a pretty decent computer. I mean, you're not going to be able to stream with a, you know, a five-year-old laptop. That's correct. Uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, it. You probably need at least sixteen gig of RAM Uh uh uh, to be able to handle it. Whether you want PC or Mac, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm a Mac guy personally. I know we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but you know, you can as long as you got sixteen gig of RAM, you should be good to go. Relatively newer, and then you know, camera wise, I mean, I, I think you're gonna get the quality of whatever you're willing to pay for. And so, you know, if you're just trying to get into live streaming and it's not a wide shot, you know, you can get in for a couple hundred bucks. But if you're shooting from from pretty far away, you know, you probably need to plan on investing somewhere between one to three thousand dollars in a camera to be able to have a decent shot. That, that's my thoughts.
0: Yeah, and I would absolutely um, and, concur with that. And you know, and we we're some talking. Of the about-
1: other stuff is not near as expensive. Uh, those are your two. Most expensive items.
0: It really is, and then
1: you can get into a switcher for anywhere from two. What what is the A10 Mini run? Oh, the uh, A10
0: Mini 250? is two ninety nine, man.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, it. Two ninety nine, and and that that's a great little device. And actually, um, I've got another little device. I don't have it here with me in my office, uh, but it'll only cost you about one hundred and twenty five hundred and fifty bucks. I'll, I'll send you. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but I'll find that later, Chad. And you can put this in your show notes if you want to. But it will accept a uh, HDMI cord, and it plugs straight into your USB. And it's even cheaper okay. than the ATEM Mini. It's only I think it's around 125 bucks. But is it a Black Magic?
0: Um, it's just something else.
1: It's something else. It's actually um, you don't have to include this if you don't want to. But through the school that I work with, we stream our games through the NFHS network. Oh yeah, little, okay. It's a little switcher box that they recommend. I might can find it here in just a minute.
0: Okay, well we can we can move on. But if you find that, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, yeah, I would absolutely say. And and again, don't be afraid of DSLRs. Um, you know, getting one of these point and shoot cameras, especially if you want it to be a multi function camera, which you should absolutely buy a multi function camera to be able to do mm-hmm. studio shooting with proper lighting and things, but also have the flexibility to be able to hook up to a switcher and run your live stream from. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of any of these DSLRs because they have some pretty great auto modes. You put the Mm -hmm. thing on auto, and it's going to do all the the setting arrangement for you, and it's going to adjust the things, the settings for you. And um, I would highly recommend uh, some of the Sony, some of the smaller point-and-shoot ones, as well as some of the bigger ones, uh, and the point-and-shoot ones, I mean, you could get into for six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars 800 and they have amazing face detection, it, meaning it's going to – whenever it detects a face on the screen, on the, the lens, the, the camera itself, it's going to make sure that that's always in focus. So no matter what you're doing, you're going to get that nice depth of field behind the person that makes it look so professional. Everything you see on these big productions – Um, whether it be something that 60 Minutes is doing in an interview or on the news or something like that, they're shooting with these types of DSLR cameras with that shallow depth of field that makes it look so professional. And um, we got one over the summer, Eric. uh, I lobbied for a a new camera. We had been using Sony HDR-FX7s that were about 10 years old at the time that were 1080i. They were very good uh, video cameras and I got a Sony A seven three and have not looked back. It is a phenomenal equipment. Uh, it's the 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 kit lens, the one that the lens that comes with it is still so good. I haven't even I haven't even upgraded that one yet. And so, but immediately people noticed. They said, "Man, what are you shooting that with? That looks amazing." And you know, this is people that that don't see those types of things. They just they they immediately knew that it looked way more professional. So, but yeah. Um, Everything. Did you find? Did you happen to find that?
1: Yes, it's called the StarTech.com HDMI video capture device. Star- a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. It's on sale right now on Amazon for $180, $181. Um, it's listed normally at $251. So I would say if you can't find it on sale, just go ahead and buy the ATEM Mini. Right. Uh, but if you want to save you know, a little over $100, uh, this is only a one-camera input. To just keep that in mind, where the ATM Mini would allow you up to four. So, um,
0: and and it, what's it's funny a about cheaper the, entry point. Well, what I love about the ATM is obviously the price. Something like that, it's two hundred ninety-five dollars. Something like that five years ago would have cost two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, it's unbelievable oh, yeah. for what it does. The great thing about the ATM is that it can be a central control center for almost everything that you do. You can plug in your PowerPoint computer. If you're streaming and switch dynamically back and forth, as long as it's got your HDMI on your computer, it could be a five, 10 year old computer still have HDMI on it and you throw it in there. And as long as it's 720p or 1080p or 1080i, it will figure it out and throw it out there and compress that video signal appropriately. And it connects to your computer with one cable. Um, I mean, I'm just astounded at some of the stuff that they've put together. And even that StarTech one, I mean, that device alone would have would have been three different components and seven different cables, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And, um, I mean, just some of this stuff that's out there has greatly simplified in allowing you to, to live stream. And, um, again, you know, you might, you might think that video production costs a lot when you go back into the studio and you want to record something and produce it later, you can get video editing programs for two and 300 bucks. You can get, Complete lighting setup, soft boxes on Amazon for 80, 100, 120 bucks. I mean, it's not as expensive, nearly as expensive as it used to be. And uh, it's much, much more manageable these days.
1: Which I think is good for churches because now we can Mm -hmm. put out quality stuff, you know, digital Bible classes and devotional videos that looks really good. And we didn't break the bank to do it. Absolutely.
0: Wholeheartedly agree Uh, on that.
1: And you were talking about uh, video editing software. If we have some time towards the end, I'd love to talk about a pretty powerful software that's completely free.
0: Yeah, let me let, um, let's talk about that. I think you're talking okay. about DaVinci Resolve, aren't you? Yes. Tell me yes. about it. Tell me about it.
1: All right. Let me say at the outset, I have been working with Adobe Premiere and Adobe Photoshop for I don't know the last several years, and. When you get used to a platform, it's really hard to change because you just know so much about it. It
0: is and hard to teach a dog you know, an old dog new tricks, right?
1: It is, and you know sometimes the keys change and and the way the layout's a little bit different. Now, if you're familiar, if you're pretty familiar with Final Cut Pro, you'll probably be a little bit more familiar with davinci resolve but davinci resolve is made by blackmagic the same company that makes the A10 mini and they've also got some great cameras Mm -hmm. Um, but they they have this uh video editing software software called resolve they i think they're on version 16 and i think 17 is in a beta mode right now Um, but it is completely free which is amazing because it is every bit as powerful as Adobe Premiere and, and Final Cut Pro, which Final Cut sets you back how much, Chad? I 300
0: mm-hmm.
1: 300 Adobe Premiere is going to require some kind of subscription.
0: Yeah, you're going to have so at least probably, 20 bucks a month subscription for that alone.
1: Yeah, indefinitely for as long as you right. need the software. And Dissolve, I've spent a little bit of time in it. I edited a wedding video in it um, not too long ago. It's the first time I'd really spent a ton of time doing that kind of editing. I'll edit quick chapel videos for school. And one of the main reasons why I love resolve is that one, the rendering speeds are amazing. That's
0: what I was going to first, the first question for me was going to ask is how long does it take to render? And what that means basically, if you're not familiar with video editing is how long does that take to, to render the image out so that you can export it and, and basically exporting. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. All right. Are are they good times on that?
1: Well, let me just, let me give you some times here. Okay, normally I'm working on, I have an iMac that has 32 gig of RAM. It's got a terabyte hard drive. So it's a pretty strong device. If I'm editing a seven minute chapel video from mobile Christian school, when I go to render it, it's going to take somewhere between three to four minutes to render, maybe a little bit longer, depending on, you know, what's going on with it. When I put it in resolve, it takes a minute and a half to sometimes less than a minute to render the video. It's phenomenal. Wow. I mean, and you think about if you're rendering videos on a regular basis. I edited a a whole wedding ceremony video that was right at 30 minutes long, and I think it took about 6 minutes to render the video, where normally that would have I would have clicked render in Premiere and I would have just walked away.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to go just
1: left take it a nap or something right? Yeah, yeah. So that, and I know that if you're using Final Cut on a Mac, you know, it's probably a little bit faster uh, rendering. It's not speeds as fast than you're as you would Premiere. think, though.
0: It's not as fast yeah. as you would think. Yeah.
1: But the uh, the rendering speeds are phenomenal. And the other reason why I love Resolve is the color. The there's a, a little section for uh, color grading, and it is so simple, but yet really powerful. The ways you can edit an image. In Resolve, don't um, so I'm,
0: to the audience out there. Don't underestimate easy color editing, because yeah. or color color, um, color grading because you can uh, um, you can use something called lookup tables. Do you use um, LUTs at all? Have you gotten that a far into bit. it? So yeah, I, a little bit. I've found some LUTs that I really love, and so it's pretty much automatic for me to do that. But f- to have little tweaks and being able to to uh, color correct on your footage, mm-hmm. do not underestimate that. It can, make your, yeah. your, it can make your image look even better and even more professional at the same time.
1: When we first started uh, our online church, basically our online worship service, and we were pre-recording, I wasn't doing any color grading. Whatever the image gave me out of the camera, that's what I went with because I didn't know much about it.
0: And, and for uh, the record, did, say, uh, Canon's color is actually pretty okay. You can yeah. go with it and nobody's going to say anything about it.
1: Mm-mm. but as soon as I started editing it a little bit, man, it just changes it so much. It just it pops. Brings some, yeah, it really does. And and in resolve in, let me back up in premiere, there's a little auto button where you can hit it and it'll basically tell you what it thinks the image should look like. And most right. of the time it's pretty off, but you can then kind of work from there Right in resolve. I had been using it for like three months and I'm like, there's gotta be an auto button here for (laughs) color grading. It, It it doesn't say auto and that's you know, that's part of the problem. But there I finally found it and when I clicked it. Now this was on a wedding video that somebody has paid for. And when I clicked it, I was like, wow, that's really good. So let me go to my next clip. And I clicked it and I'm like, perfect. I mean it nailed the color grading on it, and then I went back and added, you know, a little bit of extra depth to it. Um, there's not as many LUTs available for Resolve that I have found for free like there are for Premiere. You can find a lot of them for yeah. free for Premiere. And I just Premier don't like And for, for Final stuff. Cut, yeah. Yeah.
0: And and again, look up tables is something one of those things that I mean, you may again be saying, what are you what are you guys talking about? It's a it's just basically a, a plug-in, an add-on mm-hmm. to something that would automatically do something for you. It's almost like a preset, if you would and yeah. um some of them are phenomenal but a lot of them are hit or miss and you got to yeah. got to sift through the the sand there to see what exactly which one is good for you but again you cannot underestimate um I, black magic nails a lot of good stuff yeah. um they nail Uh, they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to footage there. Um, and the thing that I would tell you about black magic and DaVinci resolve and black magic cameras and any kind of black magic, the 10 mini of course is made by black magic. Uh, Eric, that's the only thing they do is video and photography. They don't make computers or iPhones. They don't make Mm -hmm. other software. They don't make, that is all they concentrate on all the time. And um, they are doing a phenomenal job. It, to me, you know, back in the day, it used to be that you had to buy a Blackmagic product to get a code to download DaVinci Resolve. And when they made yeah. it free several years ago, um, people have steadily been moving towards it. And uh, the only re- I'll tell you, the only reason I haven't moved to, to it is because I'm, I'm a Final Cut guy. I've been using Final Cut, and they've made steady improvements, and I actually really love it and, and how mm-hmm. it performs. But uh, i'm you have convinced me to give it another look for sure, yeah uh, and to make be- sure to, to see if I can um you know get some stuff done i've gotten really fast on Final Cut though in the last nine yeah. months though really fast
1: well that's been my struggle with it is that when i when I open up Premiere, I pretty well know what I want to do you know in in resolve, there are some things that are a little bit different that to me are a little bit more complicated than they should be, like for instance, just adding a rectangle with text on top of it, huh. In Final Cut and in Premiere are pretty simple tasks. In Resolve, they're a little bit more complicated, mainly because you can do a little bit more with it. And it's really not complicated as much as it is a learning curve. Right. And I just don't have the time or the patience to sit down right now and learn it. And I'm sure once I learn it, it'll be just as simple as it is in the other programs. But it's almost it's similar to um, – it's got another little layout where it's more similar to like After Effects, some okay. of the stuff that you can do. Uh, the, way that it, the way it lays it out. I mean, it's really neat what it does and the fact that you can do some of this stuff for free in the same software, whereas in Adobe, you'd have to go to After Effects to do some of these animations. You can do them right there in Resolve for free, but because of that, it makes some simple tasks a little bit more complicated maybe for, than they should be.
0: For somebody that, that doesn't have a lot of experience uh, with video editing and for somebody that wants to get into it, would you recommend Resolve?
1: I mean I feel like if you can if you could figure out Final Cut Pro, you could figure out Resolve. Um, you know, it's just a matter of learning the layout where everything is. You know, if you can use learn how to use a timeline, you can learn how to chop up footage, you know, the rest of the stuff you can kinda learn on the fly. But yeah, I, I feel like it's simple enough that, you know, a, a basic video editor could take it and learn it and do some really cool stuff.
0: And plus it's free. The entry price is, is the best part. Yes. Um, And you can go to blackmagicdesign.com and download that. They've got that uh, available to download, and uh, it's for Mac and PC. Is that correct? Yes, that is right. And that's a big deal because uh, Final Cut, not available on PC. Uh, And Premiere is, uh, I would say, the experience is very disproportionate uh, on PC versus uh, Mac because – uh, one year it'll be a better experience and it'll be more optimized for Mac and one year it'll be more optimized for PC. And it's just uh, it's just kind of crazy. Well, speaking of yeah. Macs and PCs, as we kind of, we're, we're getting up on, uh, we're getting up in the, in the minutes here, about 40 minutes that we've been talking here. But one of the last things I want to talk to you about and was uh, your purchase of a M one Mac mini. And if you, the listeners are not f- very familiar with that, uh, Apple unveiled their M1 Max back in uh, November, and people have just been raving about them. And the reason why they're a big deal is because it's the first time that Apple has made its own um, own chips for their own devices, and they have put some secret sauce and some really good stuff in there that a lot of reviewers are uh, really just quite, uh, enamored with them. And so Eric, I want to ask you, your Mac mini, uh, what's been your experience? I know you haven't had an incredible lot of time to mess with it, but, uh, you got one and and what do you think about it? What's your initial impressions?
1: Well, it's the first Mac mini that I've ever used. Um, I've had an iMac for a couple of years now and I love it. It's such a powerful machine. So we needed to upgrade our computer in our sound room for our live stream. So, as soon as they unveiled the Mac mini, I had my eyes on it, especially with the M1 chip, because you can get um, a faster computer, I think, for a little bit cheaper than purchasing an iMac. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're familiar with Apple products, then you know that they're going to get the most out of their equipment, out of their hardware, they're going to make it the most efficient as possible. And I think that's what the M1 chip does.
0: So yeah, just like they've been um, doing for with iPhones and iPads for the past you know 10 years or so.
1: Yeah, you look at the specs and, you know, especially like on an iPhone, there are Android phones that blow it out of the water on the spec sheet. But when you actually put it to the test, Mm -hmm. you know, the iPhone is just so optimized for that environment. And that's why I was excited about the M1 because you knew it was going to be more optimized to the Apple environment. And so we got it primarily for our live streams. I don't use it as my daily computer. Um, but I do have it sitting in my office right now because I wanted to have it with me as we recorded this podcast. And I've done a little bit of video editing on it. So we live stream using OBS, and OBS released an update for the M1 uh, Max, and so it, you know, it, it works fine. We haven't had any kind of issue out of it. Uh, the couple of videos I've edited on it, I've done those in Final Cut um, because I do have, I have a, I've purchased Final Cut in the past, and the rendering times on. The M1 are about as close to uh, DaVinci Resolve Man. that I've experienced so far. It's it's faster than even on my iMac with 32 gig of RAM rendering in in Final Cut Pro.
0: That's amazing, uh,
1: and that's the one thing I've kept hearing is that the rendering speeds, if you're a video editor, are so much faster. And that that's well, what i really Have you seen about. any
0: beach balls? Have you seen any kind of stuttering or anything like that from reg- doing regular things?
1: I did the other day. It was a pretty simple task and it may have just, you know, had a runny nose or something. You know, sometimes computers can get a a little bit too much running in the background. But so far it's handled. It's really snappy when you're doing video editing. Um, It handles our live stream. You know, we're pushing out through Restream, which I think limits you to what, 720 on your actual output. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. But we're bringing in. 1080p through video. We're running the A10 Mini, um, you know, and it's 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 working really well. i I've, I've been super impressed by it. I, I want to spend a little bit more time, you know, doing some heavier video work. See how it handles 4K video. I haven't had that opportunity yet, um, but so far it's a pretty cool device. I think the one thing I didn't expect when I bought it is it only has two USB inputs, and yeah. Yeah, that's not very many. So I went out and bought a little USB hub that connects into the USB C port on the back, which it has two of those. So it you know, it's running a little bit it that, that makes life a little bit easier now.
0: Well that's great. And um and I guess you're you're obviously using your own monitor and keyboard and mouse for that. And again, if you um if you've ever been looking to get into the Mac uh, this is the cheapest Mac that's available, mm-hmm. and it's brand new. And mm-hmm. it apparently is very, very good at a lot of different things, and it's going to be powerful. The, th- the thing I love about this, Eric, is that these are the slowest Apple uh, Apple chip Macs that they're going to have. Yeah, These are right. the slowest ones they're going to make. Everything after this is going to be faster, and I just can't imagine what a bigger MacBook Pro or mm. a Mac Pro with an Apple Apple chips in it is going to be it's it's going to it's going to be a supercomputer on your desk it's going to be it's yeah. going to be in, in, incredible and I I'm I'm very I'm kind of sad that I'm out of the market but I'm kind of um I kind of I'm kind of happy that I have a computer right now that I can wait on the m2 or the m3 to come out and then get one. And when it's absolutely brand new and just knocking the socks off of everything, it's going to be fantastic. And by that point, everything uh, will be optimized. Everything will be, Mm -hmm. um, you know, ready to go. And probably so. any of the kind of the stuttering that people are, are witnessing is not because of the power of the computer. It's because of the programs that are running on it. And that's probably what it's going to be. But I I think the future is bright for the Mac. I didn't think that, uh, several years ago. And, um, It's just it's just fantastic. So I'm glad that's working out for you guys. But um,
1: Well, and I'd say this. For anybody that's looking to get into uh, the Apple ecosystem or the Mac ecosystem uh, or even just looking to upgrade, and you don't need an incredibly powerful computer, you may look at the new MacBook Air that has the M1 chip because what I have heard, there's a YouTube account that I follow called The Everyday Dad, and he's yeah, been he's all on. Yeah. and he's been all on the the M1 uh, with the MacBook Air, and he's even talking about editing 4K video and the uh, no rendering fan. speeds.
0: Yeah, no yeah, fan no on. Fan. It. It's a fanless.
1: Yeah, and the rendering speeds are fine. He said his output speeds are just as good as they've always been, and that blows my mind because when I've got a 2015 model MacBook Pro, I can't even edit videos on it anymore. Because it locks it down for like a day and a half to try to render right. a ten minute video, right? Uh, so that that interests me because I love the portability and the thinness of the MacBook Air, and to be able to get power enough power to handle simple Photoshop, you know, decent Photoshop stuff, and to be able to do some simple uh, video editing on that device, maybe with access to a little stronger computer for some bigger video projects. That that in- entices me a little bit.
0: Uh, my so my one year old, laptop. yeah, yeah. My one year old MacBook Pro is sitting here on my desk, running several apps at the same time. It's running a screen capture, audio capture, FaceTime, like we're talking on right now, and the fans. I've been hearing the fans nonstop, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's probably burning up on the bottom to where I could probably you know cook an egg on it if I wanted to flip it over. And uh, what I've heard from these new M one Macs is that there is no heat there's yeah. the the fans do not spin if the fans they do have fans on the macbook pro and even on the mac mini but i'd be interested to to when you do some further testing to to figure mm-hmm. out you know do the fans spin up or not and from what i've heard they just don't because these chips are yeah. so well optimized that they just don't get very hot and um boy i would love i would love that right about now because um yeah. it it feels like it's a it's an aircraft carrier over here with harriers drumming and logging off the, <laughs> the deck here just whoosh, you know just yeah. The, the fans and everything, and it's kind of crazy. And this MacBook has 64 gigs of RAM, and it's one years old. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, so anyway, that just just goes to show the the power of these. And there's nowhere to go but but up. I think that yeah. Apple has been making their own chips now for almost 10 years, and um, they brought it to the Mac, and it couldn't be the future couldn't look brighter for the Mac.
1: And if you're willing to wait a year, can I mean, just imagine how good next year's model is going to, how much better it's going to be. And the new models are pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: it's going to be fantastic. Oh yeah. It's going to be very fantastic. Eric, man, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Any, uh, anything else you want to mention or, or plug? Do you, do you have a Twitter that you'd like people to follow or do you have a church website or anything like that that you wanted to to tell people about?
1: Yeah. I don't tweet often. I just, check the news on twitter but you know if you want to follow us uh, our church is on facebook and our youtube channel regency church christ you're welcome to give us a follow and you know give me some feedback on the stuff that we're putting out we're trying to make it quality you know i know you help out a lot of folks with questions about live stream and tech and if there's any way i can help anybody out that's listening to this you know i'm not an expert i've learned a lot um i I text Chad a lot <laughs> asking questions. I was probably one of the ones that texted him on the day after everything shut down that first Monday.
0: At uh, one point and, uh, I was your weekly Photoshop support. Um, no doubt. At one point I was because I, I think I may have gotten you into that. And so I had to find a way to get you out of it too. So, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was really, uh, really good there for, for a while. And, and um, you know, anybody in South Alabama, North, North, uh, North Florida, uh, if you want to, hit him up or hit up regency you know, you know what's been great eric about this this covid one of the positive things about covid is that so many churches have churches have been forced to put out their content and i have watched more preachers and more classes on stuff from churches all around uh, the south all around the country uh, it's been fantastic and uh, i have yeah. seen some of the stuff that you you did uh back in the summertime, I think you even got your and the youth minister there at Regency did a series where y'all had a really good setup and um y'all were streaming live at one point and taking questions mm-hmm. live and things like that and it was it was really neat and again, all this stuff just lives right there on on the internet on youtube on the youtube channel just go check it out and uh yep. it's fantastic to see you cre- out there creating and uh you're doing a fantastic job man appreciate appreciate you being on today.
1: We'll appreciate it. It's good to, good to see your face and good to talk with you.
0: Yes, sir. Well, if you uh, want to find show notes to this episode and there will be significant show notes, you can go to uh, chadl.co slash mbits slash s5e6 and the show notes will be posted there. And um, you can find, of course, Regency Church Christ on Facebook and probably on uh, YouTube as well. And uh, give, uh, give a look to Eric at some of his stuff. If you got some questions for him, let him know. And, uh, again, thank you, Eric, for being on. And thank you all for listening. And um, be sure to subscribe if you have not. And we will see you uh, in just another few weeks. Take care.